Blog Talk Radio. Balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente, on loan from God for the next two hours to guide you through this crazy world of sports, and it doesn't get any crazier than what it has been this week. We're going to get into some deep conversations in our in our second half hour here uh, with uh, uh, Derek Schultz of the Aquarian Schultz Show, 1260 AM and Fox Sports on iHeart. Going to be breaking down Andrew Luck and Matthew Hicks joins us as well. Matthew Embry is scheduled to join us with, uh, uh, from WSBT up in South Bend, but also our official college football contributor, Mr. Rick Riggett, joins us. He's going to hang out and be a co-pilot today with us. And we're going to be talking some college football, mostly college football. But heck, yeah, we've got to talk about some Andrew Luck and Colts and, 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 and Luck and, and more Luck. Uh, but I tell you what, it's a big story, so we, we, we won't, we'll save uh, – uh, we won't uh, uh, use all of our thunder uh, at first, but we are going to get into that. And then uh, at 10 o'clock, me and Rick dive into college football top 25. It is here, guys. And I tell you what, we're going to talk a little Homerland, Ball State, IU, Notre Dame, Louisville. We'll get into all of that. Well, certainly uh, some Notre Dame talk here. In just a few moments. And then at the bottom segment, we see the best for last. Ed Kratz beat Ryder for the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe we'll have an announcement with him today, or maybe they'll have to wait till next week. But either which way, beat Ryder for the Philadelphia Eagles joins us to talk about NFL preseason as we get ready to go and mow from the BS Sports Show. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Stick around. It's about to get good. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. 
The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We're going to kick off this college football talk here uh, with Matthew Embry from WSBT up in South Bend. He's also our official IndyCar contributor, uh, but we're taking a break from racing this week so that we can get all of the college football talk in. And, of course, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about in the next half hour uh, with uh, Derek Schultz and uh, Matt Hicks and Rick Riggin on the Andrew Luck story, the big story. So we have to push back the racing this uh, week, but we have not forgotten you. We will be back, of course, in HRA here in town in Indianapolis, uh, where we're located in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, high atop the Balance Studios uh, as well. Joining us now, though, is Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, and Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend. Real quickly, I do want to tell you guys, if you are in the path of Doreen, please take heed. And I tell you what, hurricanes are nothing to mess with. I went through this with my son who set it out, uh, the last hurricane, big hurricane that we had that went through North Carolina. And it does get rough after the fact. And uh, my granddaughter and uh, and he set it out there by himself with the animals, but uh, – uh, it got it got a little bit of touch and go there for a little bit. Lost power, uh, unable to get out of his house because of the water. So all I'm saying is, if you're in that path of that storm, uh, they've just elevated it to a Cat Four. So if you're any, and I know it's taking a, a north northern turn, it looks like. So I would say if you're anywhere between Florida and North Carolina, 
Maybe look at your plan. Joining us now, though, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. How is you, sir? Hey, pretty good, Tom. There's a lot of names on the show today, a lot of stuff to weed through, so it should be a fun show today. Absolutely. Hey, I tell you what, it's always a fun show, not just today, but every day. Matthew Embry, WSBT of the South Bend, joins us. How is you, sir? A reaction of Purdue fans at 1 a.m. this morning in four seconds. Listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You can say that again. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're screaming. How can you <laughs> blow a game to outgain Nevada 350 to 99 in the first half? That was a dreadful loss I'm, by Purdue tonight. And I I'm glad say, you brought that up. Tom, I'll tell you what. That is a, they lose to a team that a team like Notre Dame, even with Colin Kaepernick at their quarterback, beat 35 to nothing. A few years ago, that no excuse for that performance. And I'd say right now, Purdue, <laughs> they, Nevada, they're gonna have a terrible time in the Big Ten this year. Well, you know, I'm being an IU Man, guy. I'm not exactly hating that game. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, I, I had other things going on, but I, I watched it on Twitter. And by 1 a.m., I was uh, drunk, passed out, asleep. No, I mean I was just in bed. Uh, Rick, Rick, what are your thoughts? Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I was just going to say that I'm glad you brought that up right off the bat because uh, I actually watched a little, bit of that, a little bit of that game, and Purdue was, had a pretty good handle on it. It was like no way they're losing to Nevada. It wasn't until this morning I woke up and saw they lost that game late. Couldn't believe it. So it's going to be a rough year for Purdue. I'm not making fun of Purdue. It's just unbelievable that they lose to Nevada and lose that way. Well, you know what? It's 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 not one of those count me games uh, for. It's one of those I can afford to lose games. It's not going to affect my my bowl eligibility. But let's kind of start from the beginning. Uh, Clemson kicked things off. Uh, I mean, uh, on the ACC network. Uh, unless you were like Rick, one of the few people in the world that actually has that network, and didn't probably you probably didn't even know you had it, Rick. Uh, so I don't know how many people actually watched this game. Uh, but we'll start with you, Rick. What are your thoughts about the Clemson? Eh, shocker. No. You got you see no. what I did there? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually didn't know I had that network, but I was just scrolling through Twitter and came across something from DirecTV talking about how they have that network. If you have DirecTV, you have that network available. So, all right, I had DirecTV. I checked it out, and sure enough, I had it. So I watched a little bit of that. It wasn't even Trevor Lawrence in that game, guys. This was Travis Etienne. Stole the show. Uh, he, he lit Georgia Tech up, but – Trevor Lawrence kind of didn't look all that great. I mean, he was like 13 for 23, about 150, 160 yards. He actually had two interceptions in that game, but it was all Travis Etienne. Uh, I have to, like, just give Georgia Tech a little credit because they're going through a new offensive scheme, a new scheme change. You know, they're going from the triple option to more of a pro-style attack. They just don't quite have the players there to uh, make that transition smooth. Brand-new head coach, and, of course, this game was in Clemson. But uh, I didn't think Trevor Lawrence looked all that great. But he's going to be great. They should limit his snaps against teams like this anyway. But two interceptions against Georgia Tech. But this is all Travis Etienne. Matthew, let's get right into this. WSBT up in South Bend, you're in the backyard. You're in the uh, uh, the uh, nest, if you will, of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Rick, I know you're going to be up there at that game, uh, but uh, Notre Dame's got Louisville coming up here, opening it up. They've got to open up with a statement. 
And uh, as we talked about before, Matthew, uh, Notre Dame is kind of a little bit overrated and a lot of big games on their schedule. So uh, they've got to start out uh, with the, with the bang. I would think that they can beat Louisville, uh, but you never know. Last year this time they were taking on Ball State. Ball State almost beat Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, a lot of times these games that don't really matter per se in the big scheme of things that seem to always fall short. What are your thoughts, Notre Dame, Louisville? I think Notre Dame, uh, it's going to be a gut check for them. Uh, they've had their issues with opening games. Keep in mind, a few years ago, they lost at home to South Florida. So anything's possible here, and I think they need to take this game seriously. I think uh, my media colleagues, uh, I think, are mistaken saying this is going to be a blowout cakewalk for Notre Dame. Uh, Louisville is a team that, just like Nevada on Friday, is looking for – a way to boost themselves and get themselves back in the conversation. What better way to do that to give Notre Dame a big scare in their open game on uh, Labor Day night. So uh, by no means is this uh, a game. I'd say Notre Dame wins, but I'm not saying the big blowout like some of my other colleagues are saying. I'm going to say Notre Dame 28, Louisville 21. Well, I tell you what, uh, Rick, you're going to be up there at that game. It'd be nice for you, for you guys to get a win, but let's make no bones about it. I mean, uh, Louisville is a Louisville game. I mean, uh, they're a good team. Uh, they really are. And, I mean, no, they're not like the Louisville basketball team. They're more of a basketball college. Uh, but at the same time, the world is always watching Notre Dame. And whenever you play Notre Dame, everyone is watching you. They're going to do their damnedest to beat the Fighting Irish at home uh, on Monday. Well, it's cool that you talked about how Notre Dame kind of plays down two lesser opponents instead of just going ahead and just blowing them out because, you know, they're capable of doing it. And then you bring up the Ball State game and the South Florida game, Matt, from a few years ago. Well, guess what, guys? I was at the Ball State game last year. Yeah, they barely won, and Wimbush did not look all that great. The offense didn't look great. They just couldn't get the ball moving against Ball State. And then I was even at the South Florida game a few years ago. That was delayed by two thunderstorms. It's like seven hours long for that game, and I was at that one too. Maybe it's not Notre Dame playing down to the opponent. Maybe it's just me being an Irish game. So I'm going over to Louisville Monday night for, for that game. So hopefully I can break the curse here. Notre Dame gets a big win. You know, I'm glad you corrected well, me on that. I'm, I'm due for I'm due for a few minutes. In games at Notre Dame Stadium, they've lost all six of them, so it's not just you. I'm due for a few mistakes <laughs> each and every week. <laughs> I'm due for a few mistakes each and every week. I thought Notre Dame was at home on Monday, so there we go. Thank you, Rick, uh, for for uh, yeah, well, clarifying. No, it's that Louisville down the road for me. Of course, I'm going to go with the game. It's only like a two-hour drive, uh, you know, but we need some revenge because uh, Louisville came up in 2016, I believe it was, Matt. And uh, we had control of that game all the way, and there's a late fumble by us at the end just trying to kill the clock. Louisville recovers it, scores points off of it. They get the win up in South Bend. So we're looking to get a little, a little revenge out of this. Okay, let's move on, guys. Like let's said, play. Go ahead, Matthew. Like I said, Rick, I mean, this is, this is not the Louisville team that got hammered by Kentucky last year. This is a much better team. So, uh, like I said, it will be a closer game than many think it's going to be, but I still think Notre Dame's going to find a way to win it. All right, let's move on down the road. Today, we're going to talk about our Hoosiers, Rick. You and I, IU guy, 
I am an IU guy for sure. I know you like IU as well. Ball State at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's a Ball State home game, if you will. Uh, and they chose to play it there at Lucas in a great venue uh, to, to, to go to if you've never been there. But Ball State, IU kicking off just right after this game, after this show, actually. And I tell you what, both teams have a lot to show, but I, I, I really – and I say this every year at about this time, so n- nothing new, just going to repeat the sermon. But I think IU's got it in the tank this year, Rick. I agree. I agree I, at these past couple of years. I mean, they play all these top opponents, these elite programs like Ohio State. They play them tough, and things fall apart in the second half. If they just get over that hump, uh, maybe they could be a – I don't know, maybe I wouldn't say a top five team, but they could just be on the cusp of it. If they could just get over this hump against the elite programs, I know a lot of that is athletes recruiting, and it's IU zone for basketball instead of football. But uh, I like their head coach. He just needs to get them over this hump and watch out for the sneaky Cardinals of Ball State because we know how they played against Notre Dame last year. So maybe we run it, might run into a scenario, scenario like that today. Well, absolutely, Matthew. And let's let's talk about IU. I mean, I don't think that they're a playoff contender, but I think they're certainly a bowl contender this year. Uh, I think they're going to need to find a way to win a few games in the Big Ten, and that's going to still be a tough ask. But I think most of their tougher games are away from home. But uh, I'd say uh, based on this uh, and based on their performance here, I think uh, we could be adding another eye to uh, the old open bucket chain uh, based on Purdue's performance uh, against Nevada. If Indiana has a decent performance in Indianapolis, almost said Muncie there, my bad, against Ball State, uh, I think that's going to be a good performance. But uh, I think uh, if you're looking for the biggest game in the Big Ten among Big Ten opponents today, it's got to be that game uh, at Palo Alto, uh, Northwestern, uh, with a good chance possibly to upset a top 45 team at Stanford. Well, I'm not. I'm not basing the entire Purdue outlook on the on the game last night with Nevada. We got a lot of time uh, to go, but we'll see what happens. Matt, uh, Rick, uh, we're going to get into this more in in the uh, the second hour uh, of the college football. But break down college football Saturday is back, if you will, baby. Break down the top twenty five as you see it. Give us a preview of what we'll be talking about in an hour or two. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of question marks in the top 25. Unless you're one of the top two teams, there's a lot of question marks in, in the second half of the show today. We'll start talking about uh, who's your favorite team. Call in 917-889-8516. Give us your thoughts in the top 25 as well. Who's your favorite team? Uh, who do you think outside of Clemson, Alabama, actually has a shot to win, a national, to win the national title this year? Matthew, action up in your neck of the woods yesterday. Michigan State easily handles uh, Tulsa. Again, well, these are games that uh, you expect them to win, and when they don't win, like oh, Purdue does not win over Nevada, it, it, it causes a ruckus. It causes uh, uh, a lot of uh, people jibber-jabbering. Uh, but Michigan State easily handles Tulsa. They're 28-7 uh, to seven there, but what are your thoughts about the Spartans this year? I think the Spartans look solid. Uh, you look at uh, solid performance for Michigan State, solid performance against Wisconsin. Minnesota, though, nearly lost to South Dakota State, an FCS team, on Thursday. So I wouldn't be feeling confident if I was in uh, the land of 10,000 lakes right now. But uh, Michigan State, I think, has got a chance. And I think they and Wisconsin have the best chance of keeping uh, Ohio State or Michigan out of the Big Ten championship game. 
Rick, uh, Matt, Matt just mentioned Wisconsin. They go down to South Florida, and uh, I know uh, college doesn't have the mercy rule like uh, uh, high school does, but 49-0, to zero, no problems for the Badgers in South Florida. Yeah, Wisconsin's going to be right there at the top of the Big Ten this year. Man, they look great, right? I mean, it's going to be uh, exciting to see them later in the season who they're going to get to play against for the Big Ten title because that's where they're, they're going to be uh, in it. it Guys, it's a Big Ten championship. Is that still in Indianapolis? It has been in the last few years. I don't know yes, if that's one of the games they're talking about year. moving. Yeah, okay. They're going to be there again this year. I think they've been the last two years. I have not been. I know they were there last year. They're going to be back again this year. So it's going to be Michigan, Ohio State, one of those two versus Wisconsin. You know, I got to I gotta always talk about my Black Knights, just like you got to talk about uh, uh, the the uh, the Falcons with the Air Force, and obviously one of the biggest games uh, coming up later on in the year is Army Navy. But Army Knights and Rice, the Army Black Knights handle Rice University. But in all seriousness, guys, Army's got what it takes to be a really serious bowl contender this year. They're never going to be in the playoffs just because of the type of a school and college that they are. But Matthew, what are your thoughts about Army West Point? Let me bring them up. Obviously, they had an outstanding season. The last two years, they won the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, convincing wins over both Navy and Air Force. And let me see here. They're an independent, correct? Yes. Army is, yes. All right, let me bring them up. One second. Of course, they almost came super close to eliminating uh, Oklahoma and Kyler Murray and company and Norman last year. They, I tell you what, the next matchup against Michigan, that could be an interesting one. Coming up on Saturday, September 7th, my 37th birthday, by the way. Well, happy birthday to you, sir. Rick will sing happy birthday (laughs) to you. That's right. (laughs) That game could be very, very close. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be Appalachian State all over again for Michigan, but uh, that is a game I think they could certainly uh, not overlook uh, having to take on the Black Knights. And then, uh, obviously, the two Commander-in-Chief games on November 2nd against Air Force, and then, obviously, the December 14th matchup against Navy. Uh, I think those are capable matchups. One possible test uh, later in the schedule, though, the thing that could make it interesting is they have a two-week break between their trip to Hawaii to take on an improving Rainbow Warriors club and then the matchup against Navy. So it'll be very curious to see uh, if that takes something out of them and possibly hurts their performance in that big game against Navy on December 14th. Rick, go ahead. Uh, Did you have something else to comment on the uh, service academies? Yeah, uh, I'm glad he brought up the Michigan game for, for Army. That game is next week, guys. And if you're Michigan, you need to have that game circled because that one's going to be close. I think that's going to be close from what the experts think. I don't even know what they think. I'm not saying it's an Appalachian State uh, then why situation don't you ask either. Me, you, know, like, <laughs> you don't know I, what the experts what do you think. <laughs> <laughs> this, they need to have that game circled because uh, Army could sneak out a win. Uh, it's crazy to think about. Army, is, I think, is very good. They're very tough. That triple option offense is just something teams don't get to experience. You know, Michigan doesn't see something like that every year. So what happened to Oklahoma last year. They don't know how to defend against it. Uh, they Notre Dame plays Navy every year. They 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 kind of know, you know, what to do in, against a triple option. But teams like Michigan don't see that. Have that game circled, Michigan fans. Next week, uh, it's going to be close. 
Well, there's a lot of reasons to watch that game, not only because the Army's going to win, go Army, uh, but, I mean, honestly, you talk about making a statement off the, off the board, guys, uh, and this is in all seriousness, uh, Harbaugh's uh, job hot seat might be heating up uh, if they lose to Army because people are just going to start the chatter. They're just going to start the winding up of the chatter because – you know, if 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 Harbaugh can't get it done get this year, there's probably going right. to be a lot of people. There's going to well, be a lot of they lose uh, the army. <laughs> opinion: Whose seat is hotter right now? Is it Jim Harbaugh's or Shea Patterson? I think honestly, I think it's Shea Patterson's job at quarterback that's in more jeopardy than Jim Harbaugh's job as head coach. Rick, yeah, you're right with Dylan, Dylan McCaffrey right behind him. I know the fans are wanting the uh, McCaffrey brother to come in. If Shea Patterson's not going to start off hot this year, you're going to start hearing all the chatter about a quarterback change. Got to move on to more talk from the Big Ten as we try to get through these games that happened over the weekend because in the next half hour we're going to uh, dive into some conversation about Andrew Luck. Uh, Mass uh, UMass comes into Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers wins r- relatively easy. But a Big Ten team, school, so we'll talk about them. Matthew, what are your thoughts about Rutgers this year? They're still in over their head. I mean, it's like just when they joined the Big East Conference, it took them forever to get going in the Big East. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be a trend that they're going to have a never-ending story in the Big Ten. Um, I just don't think they have the resources to challenge, you know, the big teams. Now, some of them they can beat, like, you know – the Maryland's maybe, maybe in down Indiana or Purdue, Illinois maybe. But beyond that, uh, they don't have the resources to beat teams like Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. They simply don't have it. I don't think they have enough to beat Penn State either. Rick, let's uh, go over to the other Utah game, uh, Utah State, uh, Wake Forest. That was a pretty close game uh, for Wake Forest at home. 35-38, uh, and in the in the second hour, we'll get into the BYU and the Utah Ute uh, game, a completely different Utah school. Uh, but Utah State in uh, uh, in Wake Forest uh, in a close battle there with Wake Forest. What's that tell us about uh, the Demons this year? Well, it's just what Matt said about Rutgers. No, they don't have the resources uh, to field really a great team. I think they're under I, – I don't know if they're under a new uh, head coach this year or not or not, you know, I just kind of got them confused with Maryland because I know Maryland is. Uh, they don't have the resources. They don't have the recruiting. Uh, nobody's going to the – looking at the ACC and looking at Wake Forest, you know, to go play football if you're a four- or five-star athlete. So it comes down to recruiting and resources. Uh, let's let's get uh, two more games that I want to talk about in uh, in-state rivalry, Colorado State versus uh, the Buffaloes of Colorado. Colorado always kind of gets overlooked. But I think this is one team you got to keep your eye on as a dark horse uh, to uh, to sneak into the high bowl levels this year. Matthew, what are your thoughts? I just think the Pac-12 is going to be too tough for Colorado. Uh, Colorado State, uh, with uh, you know a, you know a crapshoot in the Mountain West, I think this is a winnable game for the Rams. Uh, even though Colorado on paper looks solid, uh, I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up the pace going. Uh, in the Pac-12 with, again, a loaded schedule for them uh, in 2019. So uh, if Colorado State ever had a chance to uh, wipe out Colorado, uh, today would be the time to do it. 
Rick, uh, one final game from yesterday, uh, the Cowboys in Oregon State. Uh, uh, we're we're going to be watching Oklahoma State all year long. This is one of those games that you, you figure they're going to win, and they do win. This is one of those games that's just kind of a, a practice uh, preseason game, if you will, for college football. But Oklahoma State over Oregon State, 52-36. to 36. Well, you know, Mike Gundy with the uh... – Fabulous bullet, and he's a man. You know, I think, I think he's over fifty years now, fifty years old now. So, yeah, Oklahoma oh, State, one of those, one of those Big Twelve teams. I don't know if they're going to be right in the mix of it this year with uh, Texas on the rise, and Oklahoma is still going to be really good. But they're a top five team in the Big Twelve, so it's really no surprise. We're good state football. I don't know after Chad Johnson and T.J. Hushmanzada and those guys went on the NFL. That program really took a nosedive. So, uh, no surprise there. Mike Gunny's a man. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. We'll give you the final word, anything you want to talk about IndyCar, uh, and uh, any final word about college football before we move on into our next segment. Well, apologize on that one. I didn't realize that Colorado State game, they lost that on Friday, so my bad on that one. Colorado did win. But uh, you look at Purdue. You look at the non-conference schedule they have this year, Nevada was the easiest of those three games. I mean, look who they've got next. Even though they're both at home, Vanderbilt, TCU. I hate to say it, Rick, but uh, this is a 0-3 Purdue team uh, staring me in the face right now. And I think this is going to really, uh, if uh, you were talking about Jeff Brom looking for an out, possibly to go elsewhere after this season, uh he certainly may be thinking about trying to get out of the, this situation before the stuff hits the fan because this does not look pretty right now uh, if you're a fan of Purdue. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, last year I think it started with 0-5, 0-6. And then uh, we got to meet Tyler Trent and follow through his journey with him and walk, you know, his journey with him. And then they got the big win against Ohio State, kind of turned the season around. Well, there was some excitement that program this year, but it could be another 0-5, 0-6 start. And then one more question about Colorado, Colorado State. I know there's a lot of excitement about that game right now, right now on this show, but I remember this used to be an end-of-the-year game, a big rivalry game. is week one. Does that tell you something about the, these two programs? Are, Matt, are, are they down? Is that why it's the beginning of the year now instead of the, the end of the end-of-the-year thing? Well, actually, it's a more competitive series than it used to be. It used to be a Colorado domination. I think this used to be right at the head of the schedule, and that's part of the reason why I was there, because Colorado looked at it as a guaranteed win. Not necessarily so the last few years, but uh, Colorado did get the win this time around. And uh, it's just with the more importance on the conference matchups, I think that's overshadowed it, especially uh, it started when they were in the Big 12, and it certainly, I think, is extended now that they're in the Pac-12 with those games that carry more weight and then obviously making space just in case they possibly somehow, some way make the big the Pac-12 championship game, which probably we know is not going to happen. But nonetheless, uh, that's why the rivalry game is so early because these are indeed two non-conference teams. All right, guys, we're going to have to – I apologize, I don't mean to cut you off there, man, but we've got to move on to our next segment. The clock is not our friend. Uh, Matthew Embry, where can people find your work and your heart and your masterpieces, sir? M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. Not a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, Specifically, of course, the focus uh, gets underway on Monday at 4 p.m. 
We start our coverage of Notre Dame-Louisville then, and we go all the way through, possibly as early as Tuesday morning, 2 a.m., with our official Notre Dame football postgame show with Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks. And uh, looking forward to a very interesting season here in South Bend. And uh, tune in every Saturday. Assuming the early games, the games aren't too early, I'll try to be on as many times as I can. Looking forward to it. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, uh, joins us for some college football talk, uh, talking about the Notre Dame fighting and Irish. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, is on board with us uh, playing co-pilot uh, today. We'll be right back. Myself, Rick Riggin, Matthew Hicks, and Derek Schultz from the Quarian Schultz Show joins us to talk about a very big story here in Indianapolis. <laughs> National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. That's been the theme song all week long here in the city of Indianapolis. The biggest sports story to break happened right here in the midst of our city here in Indianapolis, uh, where we're located. I know we're a national show, but hey, all the national media has been talking about this big story. Andrew Luck decides to retire. Joining us uh, today is, of course, Rick Riggin playing co-pilot with us today, our official uh, college football contributor, 
Matthew Hicks and also Derek Schultz of the Schultz and Query Show on 1260 AM and uh, Fox Sports on iHeartRadio. We'll start with you, Derek. I, I, I know that to you guys have been right in the thick of this. Well, first of all, we want to talk about the knee-jerk reactions with, with the booing of the crowd. I think that uh, – that, uh, Adam could have broke this story a little bit later, but you know, hey, uh, we're all in media. If we get a story, you got to run with it, especially something like this. Obviously, had it verified because he, Adam's not a guy that would have gotten it wrong, uh, Derek. But let's 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 unpack this. Can we can can we can continue to regurgitate what we've been talking about here in the city all week long, Derek? What are your thoughts? Well, it's funny because you're asking me to unpack it, and it's a, it's almost like you've got seven suitcases to unpack. It's not just one, right? It's the, it's the Schefter tweet. It's the retirement decision itself. It's where do the Colts go from here? It's the expectations around Jacoby Brissett. You know, you've got uh, a whole uh, dolly worth of suitcases to kind of go through and, and sift through. And I think everyone in this city has really been doing that for the last six, seven days since this news shockingly broke a week ago. But I think the initial reaction was shock. Um, I don't think the R word in retirement was thrown around at all with this injury. Remember, this started as a, a cast strain, uh, a cast strain that was going to keep him out of minicamp and that portion of OTAs, but he was supposed to be good to go for training camp. And he was originally. He, he participated on the second day, did seven on seven and 11 on 11. It looked fine. It looked like his old self. And then Monday, uh, a couple of days later, he shuts it all down, and then we never end up seeing Andrew Luck on a, on a practice field or in a game again. And it's pretty hard to think that that was the last time that we'll see him out there in any sort of official capacity. But I think really what it was, Tom, was it wasn't about the severity of the calf and the ankle or whatever he was dealing with because we don't really know. I don't think the Colts really know. I'm not sure if Luck really knows what it was. I think it was the fact that this was the last injury in a long line of injuries and he didn't want to play through it again. He didn't want to go through what he did in 2016, playing with a torn shoulder where he participated and started in all 16 games. He didn't want to go through 2017 where he has surgery right after the 2016 season ends, and it just never gets better. He tries to rehab it. They have to reshut him down again that October, and uh, that season ended up being a lost year where he went down kind of a dark path mentally uh, because of depression and, and all of that and, and letting down his teammates and not being able to be up to snuff physically. And these are his own words. I I don't think this is exactly solving the Rubik's cube here to figure out that Andrew Luck promised himself that he wasn't going to go through 2017 again. And who knows what this injury was, but let's say that you soldier through it and you shoot yourself up with painkillers or do whatever you have to do. And you go out there and you play through pain against the chargers. And then the pain never really goes away. You play through it in September, October, November, December, then well, you know, another season, uh, fourth straight, playing through pain or playing through some sort of injury. Um, he just didn't want to go through it anymore. And, and I, I think you can understand what he said in his retirement press conference made a lot of sense. It doesn't make the retirement itself any less shocking. But it, the explanation, uh, I think, made sense to people that have an understanding of what he's put his body through the last four years. You know, you're absolutely right, and, and uh, I, I'm a big fan. I was at the game, but I'm not one of those diehard fans of preseason game. Nobody was on the field, uh, it, you know, to, to, to speak of. So me and my friend, we'd left, but we were having Uber issues. By the way, guys, don't ever try to catch an Uber when you got uh, bikes uh, on Meridian because it's like a million motorcycles, and so every road is closed down. We ended up having to walk down by the Slippery Noodle, 
and catch our Uber there. And some uh, some uh, body walked by in a Bears jersey. Hey, look, just retired. Of course, you think, okay, they're just talking smack. They're drunk. And uh, so I was telling my friend, and she's like, ah, that's crap. And about that time, my phone started going ding, 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 ding. And then she looked at her phone. She goes, I think this is uh, this is uh, for real. Matthew Hicks, what are your thoughts? Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, joining us is Matthew Hicks, uh, who's been around the local media for a long time. I know you were over there at 1070 with Jersey Johnny for many years. What are your thoughts as you uh, as you unpack or, or hear, heard this story about Andrew Luck? Well, it's uh, and good morning. It's it's kind of an interesting um, situation because Saturday I had to, I'm a season ticket holder have been for like 16 years, and I'm the same way with preseason. I go to some of them. I make sure the tickets get used. So in this instance, my wife and her dad were going to go to the game. A friend of mine calls at like two o'clock, and by the way, this friend is like not connected with the Colts at all, and he says, "Hey, I heard this crazy rumor, and I'm not." My hand to God, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, is Luck going to retire tomorrow? And I said, oh, gosh, no. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, 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 no. And then sure enough, that night, the news breaks that that uh, that he's retiring. And, and similar situation. I'm, I'm actually putting the kids to bed, and my phone, I can hear it from upstairs just blowing up. So, you know, I think it's so easy to speculate in situations like this. Luck is a pretty private guy. Um, obviously the way he's handled his injuries in the past and, and the way he's handled this one in particular, um, it's so easy to speculate, but I think you have to give him the, the, uh, the benefit of the doubt of just taking him for his word. And I, I'm choosing to do that in this situation as well. You know, this is a guy that has been through a lot, um, mentally, even <laughs> almost even more mentally than he has physically. I mean, obviously, some severe injuries, and I think we kind of we kind of forget. The dude lacerated his kidney. I, I, um, I'm trying to remember. There was like a there, there was like a Titans quarterback that did that. And he retired. Like that was it. So um, you know, I, I don't think it can be stated. Uh, it could be it can be overstated at all. The guy's been through a lot. And he wants to walk away at 29. More power to him. Um, I think he's got a lot of good left to do away from football. And I'm kind of in that camp, too, that, no, in a year or two, I wouldn't be stunned if suddenly he was playing again. Uh, but that's obviously a conversation for way further down the road at this point. He's retired, and, and I think the Colts are going to do what they can to celebrate his albeit limited career. And we move on. And, the, boy, what an opportunity for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, it's it's his team. Uh, Rick Riggin uh, sitting in the co-pilot's chair, chair with us today. Uh, Rick, I know you're our official college football contributor, but you know you you sent me. You were one of the dings on my phone. You're like, did you hear this? And and that's when we started realizing that it was was the real deal. But what are your thoughts about the fan reactions, uh, knee-jerk reaction? Maybe it is what it is. But uh, what are your thoughts about how this came out and how it broke? Yeah, I don't know who's pissed off Adam Schefter because isn't he the one that really broke the news on, on social media? And I do think reactions these are reactions. It wasn't a great reaction, but I guess I understand it at the same time because you're expecting the Colts to be to, to, to do, do really good things this year. You're expecting Andrew Luck to be healthy. Uh, I said on the 
show a couple weeks ago that it was weird how the location of his injury just kept moving. It was a calf, possibly an Achilles. Then it was a bone problem. Then a high ankle sprain. I never thought retirement was like a, a, an idea that, that would come out. But I did think that the possibility existed where he would be out for a half a season or maybe since the whole season. But never thought that retirement uh, would be the case. But I do think the reaction was not great. It's a re- knee-jerk reaction. I bet if Oakville fans could take that back, they would. And, uh, because of what he's gone through, what uh, Eric and uh, Matt talked about through his career, at the last lacerated uh, kidney, the, uh, the shoulder issue, uh, Brinkson and the coaching staff from a couple of years ago built a line around him that got him killed for a couple of straight seasons. So he went through a lot. I think it was a great decision by him, actually, a logical decision. Get your mind, get your body right. He's obviously going through some sort of depression over this. He can't enjoy life how he wants to enjoy it. So I think it was a great decision by him to just step away. Uh, I know the idea out there is maybe take a year off and decide to come back. I, I don't think so at all. If football put his, his body to find through this, then why go back to it? So I wish him all the best, and uh, I think it was a good logical decision by him. We'll we'll see what happens here, and uh, we're going to get into this uh, breaking story that's just now breaking, but we want to make sure that we put it out there, and we'll talk more about it in the bottom of our segment here uh, with uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show, our official uh, our NFL segment. But uh, uh, it's breaking now that the Buffalo Bills have released their star running back, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, initial reactions to that, Derek? As far as it pertains to the Colts? Or well, well, maybe, or I don't know, but just just put it out there. Just laying the name yeah, there for you guys. The Colts, I, this is always what happens when whenever a big line player is released. And I, I'm sure the Colts aren't the only market where this happens in the NFL. All the fans start asking, hey, is this guy, is this guy a fit for our team? Um I think the Colts, from a Colts perspective, I think they're happy with the, the three that they have, uh, really the two that they have, the top two, and, and Marlon Mack, who I think is poised for a breakout season even after the slot news. And also uh, Naheem Hines, who's kind of their Swiss Army knife, as their second running back who can uh, really get a catch in the ball out of the backfield. He was a, an all-ACC sprinter um, during his college days. Uh, and, and then Jordan Wilkins or whoever ends up winning the number three job is going to be another young player who, who they like as well. But, you know, McCoy at this point, I believe is 31, 32 years old. Um, I believe so, yeah. Generally with running, yeah, generally with running backs, they, they don't gradually decline. Frank Gore is the exception to the rule, I guess. They, uh, they fall off a cliff. And I know he's dealt with some injury issues. He, he did have an 1,000-yard season two years ago when they beat the Colts, and he had a, a, a walk-off touchdown in that snowstorm in Buffalo. But uh, but overall, I, I think I'd uh, I think I'd pass on the Sean McCoy. I'm I'm really high on Marlon Mack this year for the Colts, and uh, McCoy will end up somewhere. Somebody's going to take a flyer, but I don't think it's going to be uh, Indianapolis. Well, let's speak, let's talk about Indianapolis going out there to the market. I mean, I kind of like the way Kelly looked a uh, preseason game. I, although we still got to look at until he proves us differently, and I'm not trying to get on the hot take bus here, but until he proves us differently, he's still just a backup quarterback. Uh, do we go after and look at uh, quarterbacks that might could fill the row? I mean, we look at uh, Sutfield that's out there. Is there anybody out there that the Colts might have their eye on uh, that 
might push uh, Jacoby back to a QB2. I know he's happy and having uh, – I'm sure this is a dream of a lifetime to lead a team and be uh, be the face of a team for the moment, and he was kind of just thrown into this. Or maybe he was or maybe he wasn't. Uh, maybe they knew a long time ago that this was going to happen, and they've been prepping Jacoby Brissett for this, even in the OTAs. Maybe the the – inner beings may have knew this, even if the fans didn't know this and it may have came across as a shock. I think that the Colts have a bit of a PR nightmare, but where do we do, where are, are should fans be comfortable and happy with Jacoby Brissett? Cause we have a much different uh, uh, line than what we did a few years ago when he was leading the team. And I think honestly, I, I still think that we could sneak into the playoffs, even with Jacoby Brissett. Derek. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's uh, unheard of that the Colts could win, still win this division because the other three teams have major question marks as well. Uh, Houston just lost Lamar Miller. They have probably the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. So while they have the most stable quarterback in Deshaun Watson, you look around the rest of that roster, and, and they're largely built on just a couple of stars. It's largely built on – on Hopkins and Watson and Watt, and, and if they end up having Clowney this year on Jadavion Clowney, and then you look at the rest of the roster, and it, it's, it leaves a lot to be desired. Jacksonville presumably is going to get competent quarterback play with Nick Foles, and that roster is still loaded with talent. But there's been a lot of drama over there. I think there were some question marks with the coaching staff. Uh, and then Tennessee is just kind of there. They're not good. They're not bad. They're just whatever. Uh, Marcus Mariota, this is a make-or-break year for him, but I don't think a lot of people are high on his ability and the fact that he's been injury-prone. So I don't think it's unheard of that the Colts can even come through and sneak and and win the division. But this schedule, guys, is just so much tougher than it was last year, especially Mm -hmm. when you consider the opposing quarterbacks that they're going to face. They've got Cam Newton, they've got Matt Ryan and, and Drew Brees all on this schedule, and that's just the NFC South teams. That doesn't include Ben Roethlisberger and the reigning MVP and Patrick Mahomes, Phillip Rivers in week one and the L.A. Chargers. Um, it's going to be a difficult slog for them this year. This, is, this isn't the schedule that they played last year where Eli Manning was one of the best quarterbacks that they faced in the second half of the year uh, because they had guys like Blaine Gabbert and Buffalo brought back Derek Anderson from the dead to start a game. Um, I think somebody named Cody Kessler started for Jacksonville, which is a game that Surprisingly, the Jaguars actually won six nothing, which is four hours of my life that I'll never get back. So the Colts will, uh, you know, the, the Colts aren't going to have an, an easy. Game. Give them credit; they won nine of ten. They resurrected their season. They made the playoffs. They won a road playoff game. Right, all that stuff is great. But a, a lot of what they did last year was predicated on playing an awful schedule, especially in the second half. And and I just don't think on paper that it lines up that way for them in 2019. Matthew Hicks joins us. Matthew, you've been around the, the indie me- media for a long time. You mentioned also that you're a season ticket holder of the Colts. And a lot of season ticket holders uh, said, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out. I'm done. I'm, I'm selling my tickets, lock, stock, and barrel. And, and Overton, uh, former Colts player Overton, Matt Overton, said he would buy some. You know what? And, and one of my colleagues, he's like, I'm one of those guys, too. I was like, well, put me down. So uh, he's like – I just I've only got like three games left. He's like the Texans, the Titans, and the and the Panthers. I said, like, all right, I'll take them off your hands. So I bought those three tickets. But we look at the AFC South. I, I love going to divi- divisional matchups at home. You got the Titans and you got the Texans. What are your as a season ticket holder? What were your thoughts? Are you 
Are you still diehard sick? Because I, I look at it like this. If you're a season ticket holder and you spend all that money, did you spend all that money because of Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, or did you spend that money because you're a fan of the team? I would like to think that you spent that money because you're a fan of the team, and I get it that you're a season ticket holder and you want to see your guy go out there and play, but I would think that that's not – if you, I don't know. I would – as much as I would like a, a Land Rover – I'm not going to spend $100,000 on a vehicle just to have a Land Rover. There's a lot of other things. It may not be that much, but they're up there. Uh, It it might be a lot of other things that I'm happy driving my Chevy. So it it is what it is. Uh, But there might – I wouldn't think that I'm just going to spend all that money just to have a Land Rover. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, No, I don't want a Land Rover. Uh, No. No, I – Listen, I've, you know, yeah, 15 years as a season ticket holder, but, uh, I mean, I can remember my dad woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me the team was moving here. Uh, the middle of the night for me. I was Literally. Five years old. So, so, I mean, you know, so, no, I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Um, p- players get hurt. Uh, things happen. Players retire. This sort of thing happens. And, yeah, I mean, obviously – uh, as far as, like, fans go, and I'm, like, by no means, like, a super fan, I'm probably not a lot of fun to watch a game with. You know, I did a I did a Colts-centric show with, with Jersey Johnny for, like, almost 10 years. We never once watched a game together because, like, we're kind of miserable to watch a game together with. So we just kind of sit there and, and well, they could have done that. They could have done that. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, by no means am I going to paint my face blue. But, but listen, I'm – I'm a Colts fan, I, and I, I can more comfortably say that now since I'm kind of not really covering the team anymore. And it doesn't matter who plays for the team to to an extent, of course. But, um, no, I, I'm not disenfranchised. And for those people selling selling their tickets, that's great. That may, Maybe I can move down a little bit further again. So that's, that's well, I ended up with some good seats. They're they're club level. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain oh. about them. I, I'm gonna. Oh. It was it was a little a little pricey, but hey, uh, I, I took advantage of it while it was there. Rick Rick, and real quickly, uh, I, I know you're a, you don't have a dog in this fight because you're a Lions fan. But as a Lions fan, uh, if that happened in your camp, what would be your thoughts? <laughs> Take for two. It'd be my thoughts. But. Uh... <laughs> I, I don't I don't see the Colts uh, doing that because I see the Colts even with uh, Jacoby if he's just an average quarterback they're still a good team they're still going to be in the thick of it in the division they could still still even win the division and make the playoffs become a wild card team or something but I don't think they're still that good uh, with with Brissett so they're not exactly going to tank for Tua they're not going to tank for Trevor Lawrence here in a couple of years uh, I still think they're uh, a good team they may not be what they uh, were going to be with Luck but I think they'll, they'll still be in the bigger things, too. So I think they'll be okay. Derek, we're going to give you the final word, and thank you so much for jumping on with us. Uh, Derek Schultz of the Query and Schultz Show, 1260 AM. And um, I don't know what happened to the FM signal there, but uh, they didn't have to go with the bubblegum music. I'm just saying, if you want my opinion, there it is. Uh, I like listening to you on the FM stick, but I, I got you on the AM stick, and you guys are on iHeart as as well. But uh, – We'll give you the final word. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think that it's really just kind of been so hard to process. I think the weirdest thing to process, Tom, is 
Andrew Luck has done everything that he's ever going to do on a football field in Indianapolis. You know, there was always the hope that multiple Super Bowls and, you know, MVPs and all pros and all that stuff was going to come for him. And while he had a, a very good seven, eight years here, that stuff never came. And that's not Andrew Luck's fault per se. That's, the, you know, Jim Irsay made those broad proclamations. But I think that's kind of been the hardest thing for, people, for Colts fans to cope with. There was always the hope that those things were still coming on the horizon. And now for the first time in 20-plus years, Jacoby Brissett may be a good quarterback, but we don't know. No one knows. Uh, and, and that's the first time that that's happened in 20-plus years for the Colts. Peyton Manning was the surest of sure things. Andrew Luck was the surest of sure things. And Manning absolutely panned out. And Luck, I think, for the most part, panned out. But we don't know now. The, the, this level of uncertainty that you have going into the future, I think, is scary for a lot of Colts fans. But as some others said here, you know, like Matt said, this is still a really talented roster. It, it's still a division that is very much up for grabs. So I think there's some excitement in the unknown and the anticipation of, hey, what, what could the season be for the Colts um, instead of just being doom and gloom? And I also think that there's a sense of relief in not having to go on WebMD and, and look up a subluxation of a shoulder and a lacerated kidney and a uh, torn abdominal muscle and, you know, all of these injuries and issues that Andrew Luck had throughout his career and, and just be at peace with the fact that it's now over and now everybody can move on. But I still think the Colts, while, while the Super Bowl and contending the AFC, all that stuff is out the window now for 2019, I still think that they could be on a, on a good trajectory here with this audition from Jacoby Brissett, because if he plays really well, uh, you know, it'll, it'll end up being a contract extension, then you can move forward with him as your guy. Uh, but if things don't go well this year, then that's a whole different topic, because I just don't think this roster is going to be bad enough to get a high-end draft pick. Uh, and, and that's when the question marks really pop up, where who, who is the next guy? Is it via free agency, or are you trading up? Um, what, what Chris Ballard has up his sleeve there. So, it's exciting and scary, kind of at the same time, I think, for folks here in Indianapolis. Derek Schultz, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, catch him out here local if you're here in Indianapolis. One of the one of the uh, best uh, afternoon sports talk show. And, and I, in all fairness, uh, you guys were one of the few people in the local market that did not jump on the national bandwagon type of uh, of uh, hot takes uh, and, and going after the fans and going after luck. And, and I won't name the names, but there were some people that went on Twitter and decided that they were going to, to – uh, ridicule uh uh luck and then there were people that decided to use their uh microphone uh maybe they're on in the midday we'll just assume that they are to uh give their hot takes about the indianapolis fans i think if you're in the local market you should support the local fans for what they did and not necessarily accuse them but but where can people find your work and masterpieces uh Derek? Uh, at Schultz975 on Twitter, and then FoxSportsIndy.com, and 1260 AM, and then via the iHeartRadio app as well. And I just want to say that this is the first time that I've ever been on the air with Matt Hicks, and, and it's a huge honor for me to, uh, to share the airwaves with Matt. But one of the ladies in the indie market, right? <laughs> That's right. <Thank> yeah. <laughs> you put up with your thanks, for all years, you, you end up getting a, a statue for yourself, or at least you should have one. <laughs> That's right. Right outside of Emmis, right there by the circle, the Matt Hicks statue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Derek, thanks. If only my key card still worked. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Hicks, and we appreciate you joining us as well. Uh, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? 
Well, the uh, first of all, the honor was all mine. For, for, for <laughs> there's no question there. Uh, I'm at uh, Hickson05 on Twitter, and uh, like I kind of say, I'm a free agent, but uh, you never know where I might pop up again next. I think uh, uh, the uh, upcoming in November uh, IHSA football championship uh, games are a good spot to look for me next, and that's a, that's a fun uh, two nights for sure. So I always enjoy doing that, and that uh, – from early indications, looks like that's going to happen again. So that's very exciting. That's good. You'll be able to team up with your old friend, Bob Lovell. Uh, that's for sure. That's right. So we'll, we'll look forward to it. Matthew, thanks. And have yourself a good uh, holiday weekend, sir. Yeah, you guys too. Thank you. Matt Hicks, Derek Schultz, uh, local media icons here in Indianapolis. Of course, Derek's, uh, you can find him nationally on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, him and him and uh, Jake do a great job of uh, breaking down local media here in Indianapolis. Uh, but but in all seriousness, and 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 he's a friend of our show, so I don't want to get into it. But there's a guy that we invited on the show today, but he didn't. He, we just didn't get him on today. I'm not mad at him, but he did kind of go the other direction. And then we had another uh, local media guy, Rick, that. Uh, is also has a national platform, Dan Donkey. I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, you gotta love love or hate this guy. I like his show, but he gets on the hot take stream, and sometimes, as fans, maybe we just want to let us let us vent, and then you know maybe it was the knee jerk reaction for them to boo him, but and and but there again, it could be a lot of things that cause luck to retire. It could be just this simple. He's recently married. He's got a baby on the way. He's got $100 million in the bank. And his wife may have said, Rick, well, he didn't say Rick. He probably said, Andrew, you don't have to do this. Rick, what are your final thoughts before we go into a break? Well, my thoughts were I wish my wife was like, hey, you know what? We got $100 million. Why don't you just go ahead and retire? So, But that ain't going to be the case. Uh, I think it's a logical decision uh, by Andrew Luck. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy your life. Uh, get healthy, man. Get healthy. Uh, get into the things that you love doing. I know he's got a uh, degree in architecture from Stanford, so uh, maybe he's going to be looking to uh, doing something along those lines. And, uh, yes, I heard Dan Dockage. Uh, he was on Dan Patrick earlier in the week answering, you know, for for his hot takes. And uh, our friend of the show that did not make it today, I also saw his take too. So uh, uh, I won't put his name out there, put him on blast like that. But, yeah, Andrew, man, get healthy, man. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of people that say that Andrew's going to walk away and uh, he's going to be able to use steroids and not be tested for it, go to overseas and get get healthy and come back. And maybe he will. I mean, the Colts let him keep all his money. So I, he didn't burn a bridge here, and I don't think that he burned a bridge with the fans either. I just think it was one of those knee-jerk reactions. But we got to get into college football talk. Myself and Rick Riggin, our official uh, college football contributor, sitting in the co-pilot seat with us today. We'll be right back. And I tell you what, we just got to go out and listen to this. Everybody sing it with me together.
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. One hour in the books. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official uh, IndyCar contributor, but also uh, joined us to talk some Notre Dame football and college football. Also, uh, we just finished up with our Say Goodbye to Andrew Luck segment. You know what? In all seriousness, we'll miss him around here, but hey, this is football, and the game does go on, and we'll get into more NFL talk at the bottom of the hour here in our last segment with Ed Kratz, beat writer of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show, and writing co-pilot with me today is Mr. Rick Riggin, our official college football uh, contributor. Uh, Rick, are we ready to get into this? Are we ready to make it happen? Always. Always, always ready for college football. Week one, buddy. Let's do it. All right, I'm going to give you a one minute go hot take on me. The the college football top 25 hot takes. What say you? Oh, sorry. I was on mute there. See, I did what you did. You do this sometimes. I was coming in hot. I was coming in hot and I was on mute. I muted myself. <laughs> As you all ready to go. All, all right. right, let's start this over. Hot Take City. Uh, we'll, start, we'll, we'll create a, a whole segment. 60 seconds. Go ahead. Hot Takes, College Football, Top 25. 
So my hot take is, uh, believe it or not, with Trevor Lawrence and his dominance at Clemson, what Clemson is doing right now, my hot take is that Tua is actually the underdog this year. Can you believe that? Yeah, Tua. They got destroyed in the national championship game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is just a sophomore. He's not slowing down. He's got another year uh, to go in college. Like He's going to be a thorn in everybody's side for the next two years, this season and next, before he can move on to the NFL. So my hot take is that actually Tua, as great as he is, is actually the underdog. He's behind Trevor. So Tua being the underdog is my hot take. A Tua being the underdog. Ain't that crazy? Well, I guess I was going to say you didn't really say anything about Alabama. But... <laughs> right. Well, speaking but of if Tua, you're what are your the, thoughts? If you're comparing the two quarterbacks, if you're comparing the two, Tua is actually the underdog here. Well, since you brought up Tua, what are your thoughts about uh, uh, Alabama? I'm sorry. Well, my thoughts are it starts with Tua. It's going to end with Tua because I don't know who their backup is. Uh, Tua is uh, so accurate. That's what makes him great. Great deep pass. Uh, he's, he's crazy accurate. But the problem with him, uh, we saw him getting nicked up in games, just taking simple hits. Uh, can he stay healthy? Can he stay upright? I know the, the offensive lines are always great at Alabama. But uh, when they start playing the better talent, you know, uh, defenses can get in on him. They knock him down. Uh, he – he had like a nagging ankle ankle injury all last season. Uh, can he stay healthy? That is going to be the uh, the whole question, I, I would say, for Alabama this year. But another thing with Alabama, they're really thin at linebacker now. They just lost uh, Dylan Moses, uh, their best defensive player. He's out for the season with an ACL, towards ACL. And uh, another great linebacker they have, McMillan, uh, they lost him two weeks, two weeks ago out for the year. They're really thin at linebacker. If they can get against teams that can challenge that linebacking core, uh, Bama's going to be in some dogfights this year. Uh, they're they're really thin at linebacker, so keep Tua upright, and uh, we'll see what what, what they can do at the, uh, at the linebacker position. Rick Rickett, our official college football contributor, each and every year we have a segment dedicated to college football. We pretty much focus on the top twenty-five. Sometimes we we veer off uh, track, but Let's uh, spend some time today unpacking the top 25. We'll try to get through as many of these as we can. We'll start for 25 and move our way up. As we, If we run out of time, we'll move that to the top of, of the list to make sure that we do talk about that. Number 25, Stanford, the trees. Uh, speaking of Andrew Luck, what a fitting uh, segue into our college football segment. Uh, Andrew Luck's alumni, Stanford, what are your thoughts this year? Well, they're always a tough team to play. They run that really pro-style offense. Uh, they're a run-first uh, team. They have cr- a great offensive-defensive lines. They're really solid every year. But actually, I think that's a little high for Stanford this year. Uh, I-, I don't think they're a top 25 team. I think Stanford takes a uh, takes a step back this year. They're kind of in a rebuilding process themselves. You know, after McCaffrey a couple years ago, and then uh, they had Love last year, that great running back they had. Uh, they've lost him too. They've, they've lost some really good pieces over the past couple of years. I actually think t- being ranked 25 is a little high. Uh, they might be in the 30 to 35 range as far as rank goes. I, I just think they take a step back. We're moving on with the Big Ten, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. Uh, we talk a lot about the Big Ten on this show because we are in the heart of Big Ten country. Uh, but what are your thoughts about Nebraska 2019? 
Well, it's crazy because of how the year went last year. Scott Frawson's first season, uh, well, they win maybe three games, something like that. I don't have the sheet in front of me here. but uh, And then to come out ranked uh, this year in the top 25, uh, that might be overdoing it a bit. They are going to have a lot better year this year than uh, than they did last year, uh, you would think anyway. Uh, I don't know if they're a ranked team just yet. I would love to see Nebraska football be back kind of in the way Texas is on the uprise now. Maybe Nebraska is that same way. Uh, I, it's, it's hard to say. You know, th- these rankings, they don't really matter right now. All they do is just generate interest in games because tonight we got Oregon and, and, and Auburn. Uh, are they really ranked what they're supposed to be ranked, you know, what these preseason rankings are? We don't know, but uh, they generate interest. It's got everybody talking about Nebraska again. Uh, it's just until they start playing, we don't really know. Let's uh, look at Washington State. Washington State uh, Huskies. Uh, a lot of times, yes, every year we talk about Washington State, and they never seem to get the nod from the committee. Is this year going to be any different? Well, I mean, it's the Pac-12, and uh, is the Pac-12 any good? That's always the question every year. We don't really know. Uh, it There's really not one team that takes the reins at the end of every year because we always think Washington is going to be that team or Stanford uh, – USC is going to be down this year. So it's between uh, Oregon and Utah this year. Can Washington State put the put their name up there with those two teams uh, just being in the Pac-12? Uh, you don't get to see them play too much because they, they come on too late. But I do like Mike Leach. I like the Cougs and Washington State. I think they'll actually finish the year higher ranked than what they are ranked right now. The Syracuse Orange. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, Dino Bavers, man, he's a really good coach. Uh, he's kind of resurrected the program there. I mean, I know they took a beating to Notre Dame last year in a game that they thought they could keep close, but it uh, wasn't the case. But uh, I think Syracuse is on the up and up. I know they play in the, in, in the ACC. I mean, they're not going to challenge Clemson or anything, but they could be a top-five team in the ACC, uh, no question about it. I think they are uh, – Taking take us a step forward here to Coach Dino Babers. Iowa State Cyclones are ranked number 23. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said that wrong. 21. 21. Apologize. Yeah, that's always one of those teams that mid-late season you don't really want to play against because they rattle off these wins against like Oklahoma and Texas, Oklahoma State, these teams that are making a push for playoffs and then they play against Iowa State barely beat them they get beat up or they actually lose against Iowa State Iowa State is one of these teams uh, you get about mid-season late season uh, if you're one of these uh, top tier programs you don't want to run into them I actually think they'll finish your ranked a little higher than what they're ranked right now going back to the Big Ten what are your thoughts about Iowa uh, another team it they're really like a pro style team you know uh, run first they, they always have great blocking up front they get the run game going. Uh, the, they, they have the best tradition now in college football, even though it's only been going on for a couple of years. They wave to the uh, the children's hospital there that looks over the stadium. You know that that's really great. Uh, the, I always see them as an average team. They you think they're always going to be good, and then late in the season they they, they fall apart. They kind of let everybody down. Uh, I think their rank is probably appropriate. I think they'll probably finish about right there too where they're at. You know, I just uh, made some false news a while ago. I said that the Washington State Huskies, they're, they're actually the Cougars 
Not Dan the Huskies. Duke. The Washington Huskies are further up on the list. So wanted to make sure I clarify that. Didn't want to. Didn't want any angry, uh, <laughs> angry mascot uh, uh, fans coming at me. You know, there's there's a lot of mascots to to know and to to uh, get used to out there. One mascot <laughs> I do know is another Big Ten Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, we just did Iowa, buddy. <laughs> oh, excuse my friend. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. Let's go with Wisconsin Badgers. I know that one for a fact. I honestly think, speaking of Wisconsin, we were talking about them earlier, but I think that that they're underranked. I think they should be farther up on the list. But again, you mentioned it earlier. It's still early in the season, so we still got plenty of time, but. My goodness, coming out in number nineteen, I think they'd. I thought they would at least be in a top ten. Yeah, they might finish in the top ten. They, they're really good. And then Jonathan Taylor, the running back, is a one of the top Heisman contenders. You know, you put him right behind Trevor and Tua, and then you're talking Jonathan Taylor. You know, I, he, I think he's the only non-quarterback that's a Heisman candidate right now because Justin Herbert is, is hot. You know, he's in for the Heisman. Jalen Hurts. You know, these are all quarterbacks. The only non-quarterback that's a Heisman contender right now is Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin has what it takes this year. I wouldn't say a playoff team. They need to get going. They need to not let, uh, you know, fall to these trap games later in the year like they usually do, and they, they, they take a loss in a game that they should win. But I do think Wisconsin is a top-ten team. Maybe not playoff uh, material. Maybe, maybe uh, they're considered a, a playoff contender. With me, they're kind of not. But I do think they're a top-ten. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they actually did make a playoff push, though. I'm on a roll because I know this uh, this mascot too, Michigan State Spartans. <laughs> yeah, it's another one. That, uh, Michigan State is sneaky good every year, and people always pick them to do really good, and then they 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 kind of fall flat, and then the years are supposed to be down. They do really good, so uh, I don't think they're a playoff team either. But I do think they're probably going to start. Well. I, what number are we on here? 15, 16, 17? I think they're a top 15 team. I think they'll finish the year in the top 15. And I have to admit, I'm going to go out on a limb on this next team because I do not totally know what their mascot is. This is going to be the new thing for me. By the end of the season, I'm supposed to know the mascot name of everybody in the top 25. But the UCF Pegasus, is that right? I could be wrong on that. I could be totally wrong on that, but that's where, that's where that's what's coming to my mind. What the uh, heck well, is a UCF Pegasus? Is the knight. Uh, so the Pegasus knight? is a uh, mytho- uh, mythological horse with wings, but uh, uh, UCF isn't is that, the knight. Isn't that the mascot? They're... No, no, ah. no. That's the knight. All right, put that down on my <laughs> correction list. I want to I want to be know, able to score ninety five percent or higher by the end of the season. <laughs> that's that is that group of five team. You always hear the group of five now the past two or three years. It's always UCF. Uh, undefeated season two years ago, claimed the national championship, which is pretty funny to me. You know, now they bring in Brandon Wimbush and Notre Dame as their quarterback because Mackenzie Milton broke his leg. Uh, then his backup came in real, did really good. Again, his name is Casey right now. Tours ACL, I believe, back in the springs. He's out for the year. Uh, Brandon Wimbush transfers from Notre Dame to UCF. They get a huge win the other night. They don't look like they're going to slow down any at all. Uh, UCF could be right there again, knocking on the door as another uh, with another undefeated season. And then we're going to hear we're going to hear about them again. They shouldn't be in the playoff, but then you have to look at their schedule. Yeah, they went undefeated, but 
Strength What's of that? schedule. That's what it comes down there to. That's why they cannot that's get always, to the playoff. That's the, always the reason. That's the reason. Strength of schedule. Strength of schedule. So, yeah, craziness. Now, I do know the Auburn Tigers, and uh, Auburn plays tonight, but what are your thoughts? Auburn, uh, again, another surprise there. I, I, another team I thought would be in the top 10, they're number 16, the Auburn Tigers. Well, we should highlight this game because this is the, actually the game of the day. College game day, I have it on the background, is actually at the Auburn-Oregon game. Uh, is Gus Malzahn on the hot seat? Seems like he is every year. but I would think so, yeah. He, well, here's the reason why he's not going to be on the hot seat this year. I do think Auburn is going to be good enough to make a bowl game, and I think they just need to make a bowl game. Not one of these Christmas Day, you know, run the bill bowl games, but – I wouldn't say, uh, you know, one of the uh, New Year's Six either. Just just a decent bowl game. They could pull out seven wins, maybe even eight wins. I think Gus Malzahn is fine. And, and the reason why is because he's starting Bo Nix, who is a true freshman quarterback. It takes time to get a true freshman quarterback into the mix, take live bullets in college football, and actually be, like, very productive in, in running the offense and getting these big wins. I think the reason that he keeps his job because they still do win seven to eight games I know they're in the SEC. They're probably like the fifth, sixth, or seventh best team in the SEC. But starting a two, true freshman quarterback, and they still do win about seven games, keeps Gus Malzahn. And this is a bigger game for Oregon tonight than it is for, for Auburn. So I'll just throw that out there, too. Another Big Ten school in the top 25, and that's at number 15, Penn State, Nittany Lions. Well, I mean – who do they got after losing Trace McSorley last year at quarterback? I don't know who their star players are. Uh, it could be a good year for Penn State. I know Wisconsin is going to maybe take the reins here in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan's supposed to be really good, but they're supposed to be good every single year. Question marks are with Ohio State and Ryan Day and Justin Fields coming in at quarterback at the transfer from Georgia. Uh, what are they going to look like? Uh, how good are they going to be? Uh, Penn State could be in the mix here to top the Big Ten. Here's a game that I wanted to highlight and talk about this week, and that's Utah against BYU in-state rivalries. But BYU uh, seems to always be right there. And I think this is a year, and I honestly say this, I know it's early in the, in the season, but I think that BYU will be right there in the mix of things, even though they're not in the top 25 right now. I don't think they are. They might be. I, I haven't moved up my whole list. But either which way, BYU and Utah, the Utes, uh, no, they're not in the top 25, uh, BYU isn't. But BYU uh, is certainly a school that I would keep my eye on and, and keep it as one of my early predictions to be in the mix at, at the end of the season. BYU or Utah? BYU. All right, well, they just got right, I think they're one of the, the dark horses that, we're, that nobody's looking at right now that's going to sneak in underneath the radar. Well, they're on the radar now because they just got destroyed at home by Utah. So that was a Thursday night game, I believe. So I don't know. But we'll talk about Utah, the actual ranked team here, who might actually win the Pac-12. It's between Utah and Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington Huskies, and then we've got to move into the top ten. Yeah, uh, what do we make of Washington? I, I don't think they're they're pretty good. They might be a little overranked right now. We don't know. They could finish about the same where they're ranked right now at the end of the year. They could drop back some, too. I just think uh, between Oregon and Utah and then Washington State could trip up Washington. I, I, they're going to 
they're going to hit some speed bumps along the way. They're still going to be a pretty good team. They're going to finish good, maybe even make a good bowl game. But this ain't the Washington team from the past couple of years. So that's, they're going to take a step back this year. In the essence of time, we're going to have to pass on Texas A&M and Oregon, you know, right into uh, number 10, the Longhorns of Texas. Well, are they back? Sam Ellinger, another quarterback, Heisman hopeful. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I do like that team under Tom Herman. They seem to be recruiting like how Texas should be recruiting, uh, getting all the great players in Texas. That wasn't the case. After Mac Brown left, uh, the re- recruiting really fell off, and then Charlie Strong came in. He's the destroyer of programs. Uh, you see what he did now at South Florida. They just got blanked or crushed by uh, Wisconsin. That's Charlie Strong. So they're getting out of the, tra- the Charlie Strong cycle, getting into Tom Herman. I think Texas is probably back, so we're going to see. Well, here's your time to shine. Go ahead and climb up on your box here because up at number nine, see, I, I rhymed nine and shine. You see what I did there? Rick Riggin, you're <laughs> Your Notre Dame fighting Irish. <laughs> well, they got two things against them already, at Michigan and at Georgia. All right, so those are going to be tough. Even if they lose both those games, I think they still win 10 games. But I, I should say there's three things against them. The third thing is they play seven teams this year where that team, their opponent, has a bye week before they play the Irish. So seven opponents this year get an extra week of preparation for the Irish before they play before they play against them. So that is also tough. So it's not just the two tough role games. Uh, it's also the bye weeks that Notre Dame has to contend with uh, when these other teams are preparing to play. But I still think Notre Dame, they're really talented. So they've still got one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, they probably have the best defensive end combo with uh, Aquora and uh, Khalid Kareem. Uh, they just got those tough role games. If they can get past one of those games, if they can get a win at Georgia or at Michigan and lose the other one close, uh, they still might be in playoff talk just because of that schedule. So, But we'll see. I still think they're talented. They still – if they lose both games, I don't think they'll finish in the top ten. But we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm already nervous. I'm going the game Monday anyway. I'm nervous about that, even though it's Louisville and we're a three touchdown favorite. I just know how it goes. <laughs> well, let's uh, move on to the swamp. Florida Gators this is another team that I think that uh, people are just like going through the motions with. And this is, I think, this is definitely a Rose Bowl playoff uh, team caliber if they can get the nod from the committee. They're lies the problem because we already know that it's going to be Ohio State, Auburn, and Alabama. So who's going to get that number four spot? I mean, we we, we haven't even played a game really this year, and we already know who's going to be in the top three. We shouldn't we shouldn't know, but we do know. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong, and hopefully I'm proven wrong. But uh, especially, hopefully, Alabama's not it. But it's just that's just what's going to happen. Florida's one of those teams that could definitely be in the playoffs this year. Well, they didn't look good last weekend against Miami in Week Zero. You know the uh, but the still one and zero. They're still they're, they're, they're still one and zero. But man, they they did not look good. That was just sloppy all the way around. Uh, Felipe Franks, I, I think he might be an average quarterback at best. I do like their head coach Dan Mullen. Uh, I don't think they finished in the top ten playing the SEC. And if they're going to play like that the way they did against Miami, 
Uh, they're probably going to have about three or four losses this year. So not a top 10 team the way I see it right now. Well, you do make a valid point about them being in the SEC. The committee has their so, – Those are the only points I make. schedule. <laughs> uh, we talked about Michigan earlier, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he's got to come out. And, and, and again, we, we, we talk about it. Well, okay, it's just Army. But and we talked about the Army has a very good shot of beating Michigan. I think the bigger story here is that if Army beats Michigan, the chatter is going to begin real quickly, and it's not going to stop. Uh, I, I just I, – I, I know he used to be a quarterback for the Colts, and, and I know his, his brother uh, coaches in the NFL, and he, he coached uh, Andrew Luck, so he's got a lot of acclimates. He's got a good resume. I just don't think he's got what it takes for Michigan Wolverines. But maybe he does. I don't know. Well, he- one thing they're going to do this year, he's given complete control of the offense over to his offensive coordinator. How long is that going to last before he butts into the play calling? I, I have no idea. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what to make of Shea Patterson. I, I feel like he's just average, and that's not going to be good enough at Michigan. If they lose to Army or even win close, uh, you're you're going to hear the chatter. And it might even start with the quarterback change because I think that fan base is just uh, itching for Dylan McCaffrey, uh, Christian McCaffrey's younger brother, to come in. Uh, uh, you know, last year against Notre Dame, uh, I think Patterson got kind of banged up and sat out a few plays. McCaffrey came in and looked pretty good against the Irish in the first week of the season last year. Uh, I think that fan base is going to get fed up with Shea Patterson quick if he's just an average quarterback. I think we might see McCaffrey first. Uh, I, I I don't know if Michigan is going to be any different than what they have been the past couple, past couple of years. They've no Devin Bush, no Rashawn Gary, no Chase Winovich. They've lost a lot of great players to the NFL. Uh, they don't have the talent this year, I don't believe, on defense like they had last year. So I think there's some tough games, especially if they got Notre Dame at home. The schedule's in their favor. They got Ohio State at home. So all their tough games are at home, but I do think they slip up to one or two of those games. All right, Rick, we've got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to get through all of them, but we'll get your final thoughts here on Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia real quickly. Well, all three solid playoff teams to me. Uh, it's, I don't know who Georgia has the rest of the way, but week three here, college football, they got Notre Dame at home. So uh, if they blow out Notre Dame, I mean, that's sad for me, but you're probably looking at Georgia being a being a playoff team and, I think, in a way, the way the playoff is set up right now, it hurts college football because, you know, Bama's going to be there. We have two SEC teams in a playoff that only has four slots. So, uh, Georgia's one of those teams that's probably a playoff team. We'll see who they get to play against. The SEC championship game is probably uh, – even if they're undefeated, Bama goes undefeated, they play each other in the SEC championship game and Georgia loses, I think they still get in. Well, we're going to be monitoring this throughout the, the season. Obviously, we, we're going to try to have this uh, as as we can, as as much as we can, I should say, um, this college football segment. We'll be right back. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us along with Rick Riggin. We're going to get into the NFL talk, and yes, more than Andrew Luck is on the horizon.
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Welcome back. 30 minutes left on the on the clock. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend. Joined us to talk some college football and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Sitting in the co-pilot chair today with me is Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. Also, thank you for uh, uh, Derek Schultz of the Query and Schultz Show, uh, 1260 AM, and uh, Fox Sports. Uh, radio, also Matthew Hicks, some local media guys helping us break down the retirement of Andrew Luck. We've regurgitated it all week long. We'll, we will talk about it a little bit more uh, coming up here. And then also our college football segment, Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor. Well, guys, let's let's dive right into this. Uh, we got Mo from the BS Sports Show on with us. We got Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And we got Rick Riggin sitting in the co pilot's chair. As well. Hey, uh, good a morning, lot of names, good a mo- lot of names. A lot hey, of names right. today. This is a this is a list. This is this is this is it. You think Dan Patrick's get get some some top uh, bookings and, and Clay Travis gets some top bookings? It, it, nothing compared to the balance. Uh, Ed, how you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, guys. Just having a little. A little fun on Twitter this morning after the Bills uh, announced they're going to cut LaShawn McCoy, who's the school's all-time leading rusher, and the Dolphins are going to cut Kiko Alonzo, who the Eagles traded uh, for to Buffalo when they traded McCoy away. They they got Kiko Alonzo back in that deal, and now they're both going to get released here on the same day. So just just having some fun on Twitter this morning with that whole turn of events. If Donald Trump could do it, anybody could do it. And we we did uh, break that here on our show earlier on, and we will get into the LaShawn McCoy. Uh, uh, Mo for the BS Sports Show, how are you? Good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll just go with good. Hey, all right, guys. Before we move, we're going to get this off the shelf here because we've regurgitated it all week long. But I don't know if you guys have heard the theme song that's, that's uh, the Indianapolis Colts uh, theme song this week, but maybe maybe you have. But here it is.
originated here in the city of Indianapolis. Mo, let's start with you. What are your reactions? Get it off your mind. Get it off your chest. We've got a lot to talk about with the NFL. But uh, uh, Andrew Lux decides to call it quit. Well, you know, I, I got a chance to speak to Andrew Luck during his uh, football camp earlier this summer. And, you know, one of the things that he had said was how tough that uh, the rehab was last time, so much so that, uh, you know, it almost cost him his marriage. Uh, he's an expectant father. And he had mentioned that thoughts of retirement had been in his head back in, uh, in 2017. So the, the announcement didn't shock me. We know that Andrew Luck's a different kind of dude. Uh, and he just kind of goes to the beat of his own drummer. So him retiring didn't shock me. The timing of it did a little bit, but I think, again, another bad misplay by the Colts to where they've known this uh, for a few weeks, it seems like, and I think that them trotting him out there, throwing the ball around and stuff during the uh, Cleveland preseason game was another way of them trying to trick fans into to not returning season tickets and buying them again. I, I just I think the Colts mishandled this once again, and them giving him all of his money, not taking back the signing bonus, uh, makes me think that there's uh, some type of uh, deal that he's not going to speak about. So, I don't know, different kind of dude. I respect uh, the fact that he wanted to walk away and uh, keep his mental health and his physical health uh, so he could uh, be a dad and a husband. Uh, I mean, for Colts fans, it, it's it's uh, it's not the best thing in the world, but it uh, a lot of lot of shady dealings over the past uh, three or four years with Andrew Luck and, and his health. Well, I, I, they certainly have a PR nightmare. I, I, you know, I'm I'm all for giving the the reins to Jacoby Brissett. It's his team now. Let's see what he can do with it. Ed Kratz, uh, a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, FootballMaven.io. Uh, I hope I got that right. But uh, I, I, what I what I want to get drilled down into one of the conversations that a lot of people have been talking about. So, like, I went to the game. But, you know, it was preseason. We just had a lot of fun doing the VIP tailgate party. We had a lot to drink. So we were going to take an Uber, and we headed out about halftime, me and my friend Melissa. We went down there, and there's a thing that goes on here in Indianapolis every year, and I had forgotten about it, but it's uh, called Bikes on Meridian. We have motorcycles literally from all over the nation converge in downtown Indianapolis, which creates a traffic nightmare. Uh, creates road blockages, and so we couldn't. The Uber could not get to us in front of the stadium, so we had to walk down a few blocks to the uh, Slippery Noodle, and kind of hang out on the street corner <laughs> next to the homeless guy. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> There's a few of them around there, and uh, wait for the Uber. And uh, uh, a couple guys in uh, Bears jersey walked by. Hell, oh, luck just retired, and I told my friend, I said. He's just talking crap. He's drunk. He's wearing a Bears jersey. Really didn't think anything about it. About that time, my phone started going ding, 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 ding. And then she looked at her phone, and she goes, I think there's something to this. My my question, the bigger question here that a lot of people have talked about, and, and you're in media, and you, and you have the opportunity to do this. So you can speak from this, but Adam Schaffner is known for never being wrong. So first of all, I, I, I agree with Mo. I think that a lot of people knew this. I also think that he – knew that he was going to be the one to break it. I just feel like the the Colts fans got kind of a, a bad rap for the way that they treat Because normally we're not – nothing against Eagles fans or Giants fans, whatever. We're not that those type of fans. So we don't typically boo like that, especially – that's just not our nature. 
that's just not what we do. We're a very friendly crowd. Um, and so they were, they were booing him, but I, I think that that could have been avoided if Adams just waited a few more minutes and let him get off the field before breaking the news. He's like, well, I don't know what was going on. Adam said, I didn't know what was going on. I was at a party with my mother-in-law, and I just I wanted to – he wanted to be first. And I get it in today's world, but how important – do you think that Adam Scheffner made a mistake by breaking this news so quick, so fast? Ed? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, he had the story. I mean, if he, even if he had it sooner, I would have broken it you know, at any point in time when I had the story. I wouldn't wait and say, well, gee, I don't want the Colts fans to possibly boo Andrew Luck if I break this story at halftime. I mean, that's not my job to worry about that. My job is to get the story out there when I have the story and I have it all nailed down with my sources. So, you know, I don't think it was uh, wrong by any means for him to break it when he did. And, um, you know, as far as the booing, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sensitive to it because I know Philadelphia Eagles fans or Philadelphia fans in general kind of get a bad rap. Everybody always brings up that throwing snowballs at Santa Claus back in 1960, whenever it was. But, you know, <laughs> behind the story, that, that Santa Claus was not – he was a drunken fool that was walking around in a Santa suit. He weighed about 130 pounds, didn't look like Santa at all. Uh, so, you know, I mean, but yet Philly, Philly fans get a bad rap. So, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll die over quickly with Indianapolis fans booing luck. But at the time, he, he said it hurt, and Jacoby Brissett, who knew about it, uh, said it hurt him to hear the boos, and um, yeah, it was just an instant reaction by the Colts fans, and it's not Adam Schefter's fault that that's the way they responded the way they did because he didn't wait an extra five minutes to break the story or whatever. I mean, that's not his. That's not his worry. That's not his concern. A lot, of, a lot of fans, season ticket holder fans, said, "I'm done." And I, actually, a colleague of mine is one of those fans, and and he he let people know that, and he sold almost all of them. But he kind of used to say, I got like three tickets left. I said, like, all right, I'll take them off your hands. And they're good seats. They're in the club level. I got the Titans, the Texans, and the Panthers. Uh, I'm hoping to take my son to the Panthers. He's a big Panther fan. But uh, there's season ticket holder fans out there, Ed, that just says, I'm done. Matt Overton used to play for the Colts. Said, anybody that wants to sell their tickets, uh, look me up because I'll buy them off of you. Is that a little bit overreacting? It's, I hate to say it's just a quarterback, but it's just a quarterback. I wouldn't buy I wouldn't buy a land as I mentioned earlier on in the show, I wouldn't buy a Land Rover just to say I have a Land Rover. There's a lot of reasons I would buy a Land Rover. I'm happy with my Chevy, but do you buy season ticket holders just because Peyton Manning's your quarterback or Andrew Luck is your quarterback? Do you do that? Well, I mean, I don't think there's any predicting, you know, what fans can do or people in general do. Everybody's different. I mean, you, you certainly wouldn't be like that, but there are people that are offended by it, I guess. I, I think the more interesting thing is, is like Mo made a good point. Like if he knew back in the summer and talking to Andrew Luck that retirement was on the table, at what point did the Colts know? And why didn't they do something to address their, mm-hmm. their quarterback situation? Totally agree. Um, you know, who, who who's going to back up Brissett now? You have the one guy, Kelly, who's suspended for two games and, and you have a guy at Temple who I kind of am familiar with who couldn't really throw a forward pass all that well at Temple here in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't they take better precautions? I mean, the Eagles signed Josh McCown off the street, 40 years old. Now, look, I know Josh McCown, you know, isn't anything earth-shattering, but he's a guy that's played in the league for 18 years. And if anybody knows the value of a good backup quarterback, it's the Eagles after seeing what Nick Foles did. Uh, when Carson Wentz got hurt in 2017, winning a Super Bowl. So, you know, Frank Wright came from the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. He saw that. 
he had a shotgun view or yeah, shotgun view of that, uh, you know, to see what Foles was able to do. I don't know why the Colts would not have addressed it in a more timely manner uh, to bring in somebody that's half decent to back up Jacoby Brissett. Now, what happens if something goes wrong with Brissett? Who's going to be the backup quarterback? Who's going to step in? I know there's a lot of quarterbacks that are getting released this weekend. Maybe one of them will fit the bill. But you look at this list of the quarterbacks the Colts have brought in, Brock Osweiler and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know some of these other names. I mean, it's just abysmal uh, that they can't find somebody to back up Percet. And now they're trying to do it uh, you know, one week before the games actually start to count when they could have probably addressed this back in the summer, if not sooner. Absolutely. And I, I think they got to hire somebody on the PR level. But, it all, it, you know, you mentioned Frank Reich. I, I got it. This guy's such a class act. I mean, the national media just swarmed here in Indianapolis more so. You would have thought we were going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was. It's been just crazy madness with the national media, and so the media availability to Frank Reich this week was a little bit different to say the least. And he 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 held his own, and he basically just said, you know, we respect his decision. I'm not going to second guess it. We we let you know our, our we're moving on. Our focus is on San Diego now. I mean, not L.A. Chargers. You know what I mean. Um, our focus is there, and you know, I just I don't have anything else to say on the subject. But they they tried to get him to crack. Rick Reagan, what are your thoughts, real quickly? We got about 15 minutes to get through these uh, NFL uh, stories, but go ahead, uh, Rick. What are your thoughts? Any more thoughts on um, on Andrew Luck? Well, I just mentioned on the show earlier that even if Jacoby is just average, I still think the Colts are good enough and they'll be just fine. They could be a wild card team. They could even still win the division because I think they built a pretty good team around Andrew. They have good pieces. If Jacoby is is just average, I think they're I think they're still going to be okay. I think we'll be happy just getting into the playoffs uh, in lieu of everything that's happened. Uh, Mo, let's get into the breaking story. We broke it on the show. Or we didn't actually break it. It was already broken. But, hey, we, we were one of the many people that rebroke it. Uh, earlier on the show, the Buffalo Bills released uh, superstar LaShawn McCoy. I know he's been riddled with injuries, and he's kind of old for a uh, running back. And I happen to have Derek Schultz on the show, and we were talking about Andrew Luck when this came through. But, I mean, I know we like Marlon Mack, and, and I know I don't want to play the homer card all day long, but LaShawn McCoy's out there. Somebody's going to pick him up. Big story, big breaking news. This week, uh, the big breaking news is the Bills release LaShawn McCoy. What are your thoughts, Mel? Well, I mean, you know, of course, I'm sure Colts fans would love to have LaShawn McCoy. Again, he's been often injured these past few years, a few off the uh, field problems here and there. Uh but, you know, I mean, at this point, talking about the Colts, you have to decide if you're Chris Ballard. Uh, are you certain that Jacoby Brissett's a quarterback that can take you to the Super Bowl? If not, I don't think just getting in the playoffs is, is good enough. I think you have to decide, uh, you know, what you want to do with this position. The windows for teams that are Super Bowl caliber ready are so short in the NFL. You know, we saw how quickly that window closed for the Seahawks. The only team that seems to defy that are the New England Patriots. But I think you have to decide – uh, are you going to be a Super Bowl team with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? And if so, then, you know, a guy like Sean McCoy helps. If not, I think if you're Chris Ballard, and, uh, you know, I, I thought this last week and then tweeted it when it first happened, if I'm Chris Ballard, you know, John Gruden made it pretty clear last year that he wasn't comfortable going with Derek Carr as they moved to Vegas. I think if we're uh, if you're a Super Bowl caliber team, you think you're that quarterback away, that you've got to look at bringing in a, a top-of-the-line quarterback that you could trade for, Rashawn McCoy is a nice piece, but if Jacoby Brissett's not that guy who you think can win the Super Bowl, 
then uh, you've got other problems other than just LaShawn McCoy. Obviously, a team's going to pick him up, and I think you're going to see him try to sign uh, with a team that's a contender. You know, there's uh, there's some teams out there that uh, are very good that can always use a, a running back that can catch the ball in the backfield like he can. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes and, and what happens. But uh, if I'm the Colts, I'm trying to figure out what we are at this point without Andrew Luck. Uh, Ed, let's go to you. I mean, big story, big breaking news, uh, certainly not on the caliber of Andrew Luck. And we don't want to swing on that. We've regurgitated that all week long. But my mind first goes to, to Dallas. Uh, what are your thoughts with the issues that they're having with – with Elliott and everything else, even though he's an older running back, you think that the Dallas uh, gives uh, LaShawn McCoy a, a look? <laughs> well, that would be, you know, Jerry Jones giving the big middle finger right there to Zeke Elliott if he brought in LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I, I'm not even sure that relationship. Isn't, isn't, that that isn't, isn't that what Elliott's doing to the Cowboys, though? Well, you know, look, I mean, you can say what you want about contracts. It's a two-way street, you know. Owners will try to get players to give back money once they get hurt. They'll cut them without any regard to uh, injury. They'll reach a settlement. And, you know, Zeke's holding out because he wants more money. And, you know, I'm a big honor of the contract guy, but, you know, it is a two-way street. But, uh, you know, Zeke should be in camp, but, you know, he's a running back. He knows the shelf life of running backs. He wants to get what he can uh, while he can get it. But uh, I I don't know. I'd be surprised if if Jerry Jones brought in uh, McCoy. I know – uh, in Philly, of course, it's huge news because McCoy made yeah, his bones absolutely. here in Philadelphia as a second-round draft pick. Like I mentioned earlier, he's, a, he's the all-time leading rusher uh, in Eagles history. The Eagles tried to trade for him or at least inquired about uh, trying to trade for him back in 2017 and last year uh, when the running back situation was just abysmal. Now they've upgraded it with Jordan Howard, uh, getting him from the Bears. They drafted Miles Sanders. Uh, Darren Sproles looks like he's going to be healthy. We'll see how long that lasts, but uh, you know, right now they're in good shape at the running back position, and uh, I don't see the Eagles bringing uh, Shady back uh, into town. I think the most sensical team is probably the Houston Texans. Um, they need a running back to uh, kind of step in. I know they got Duke Johnson from the Cleveland Browns, and you know we'll see what he can do. But uh, you know, Shady might be a good backup, or he could be the number one guy down in Houston. So. Uh, I know his goal is to reach 12,000 career yards. I think he needs about 1,400 more yards to do that. That's probably not going to happen this year, so he's probably going to be looking for a contract that's at least two years, if not longer. He's 31 years old. Um, But, you know, guys that have rushed for 12,000 or more yards, there have been 16 of them in the NFL. Every one of them except one is in the Hall of Fame, and that person, uh, I believe, is Edgerrin James, who's probably going to get into the Hall of Fame at some point. So, uh, you know, that's his goal is to get 12,000 yards. He thinks that will seal up a Hall of Fame uh, nomination for him. Um, I just don't think that there's going to be a team, unless it's the Houston Texans or some other desperate team that needs a running back. I don't think the Colts are one um, that is going to give him a two-year deal, and it's going to be about the money and how much he's willing to take because, uh, you know, I think the Bills were scheduled to pay him over $6 million this year. He is in decline. Numbers were down last year. He's had a little bit of injury history. And like I said, he's 31. How many more years does he have left that he can be productive? So uh, it's interesting. He'll get a job somewhere. I don't think it'll be in Philly or Indianapolis. Well, uh, 
NewJersey.com, NJ.com, just tweet, I haven't read the story, uh, but tweeted about the Bills releasing or expected to release LaShawn McCoy. Is it time for a reunion? So maybe they're trying to stir the pot there in the in a Philly market to to bring him back. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens, guys. Let's let's get to our individual teams, and we'll start with you, uh, Mo. The Cleveland Browns. Are we ready to get this Baker Mayfield and and uh, Odell Beckman show on the road? Or well, I would tell you game. from uh, <laughs> having a, a bunch of Cleveland fans on the uh, show this morning that they're beyond ready. They're letting, trying to let their their uh, appetite for the Browns, uh, you know, be cured a little bit today by the Ohio State Buckeyes playing at noon. But I, uh, I'll tell you, there's so much hype for this team that it really does worry me, you know, about a first or second game letdown uh, with this football team. Because let's be honest, even though they practice together, there's not a bunch of game. Uh, timing between uh, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. And, you know, this offense is ready to go. But I'll tell you, man, this this defense looks really tough, too, you, with uh, Olivier Vernon, who they got from the Giants, uh, and, uh, and Miles Garrett, you know, and you factor in the secondary with uh, with rookie Greedy Williams. Uh, and, you know, I just it, – it's a team that – everybody's going to look at the offense a lot, but I think this defense could be what uh, really makes this football team this year. A lot of expectations. A lot of these guys and coaches aren't used to it. Freddie Kitchens, first-year head coach. But uh, the expectations there, and, and they're going to be a fun team to watch, win or lose, because there's a lot of combustible elements on this team. So win or lose is going to be a fun team to follow all year. Rick, we're going to let you chime in real quick on your Detroit Lions before we get to the Eagles. <laughs> all right. That's my, that's my Lions talk. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> you don't uh, want to talk about you don't want to talk about Patricia or anything like that. Uh, he looks like the guy that will order the turf and turf. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're, we're full of we're full of breaking news today. It's not as big as as luck retiring, but the Colts announced that they've traded Evan Bowen to the Dolphins for a draft pick. We'll we'll see what happens with that. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, Ed. I know you said September first. It's a, it's August thirty first. Can 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 you be part of the breaking news cycle here on the balance today? <laughs> I'll have to get back to you next week on that. Uh, ah, maybe I'll shoot you. Uh, uh, um, I'm getting my yeah, pressure but, there. <laughs> it's cool. Um, we'll get you. We'll, 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 yeah. we'll, 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 just just make sure that when you break it, you you include us. In the at tweet, that that's all that that's all we ask. The Philadelphia sure, Eagles, sure. obviously, uh, triumphed in your last preseason game against the Jets, ready to go against the Redskins. What a better team to start your season off against with the Washington Redskins. What are your thoughts, Ed? <laughs> yeah, I guess the Redskins aren't getting a lot of, a lot of love nationally, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I like some components of that team. I don't think it's going to be enough to uh, win the opener, but I do think that you know the, the the preseason for the Eagles to me was just one gigantic waste of time. Um, really, they you know it was so boring. They didn't do much. They didn't play anybody. Probably the biggest news that came out of it was when Nate Sudfeld broke his wrist and they brought in Josh McCown to be the backup quarterback. But other than that, I, you know, Wentz didn't play. Um, you know, I think Deshaun Jackson was in there for maybe eight snaps, you know, in four games. I mean, it's just a gigantic waste of time. So, you know, that said, the Eagles could be, you know, maybe a little rusty, uh, maybe a little slow to start, uh, you know, that game against the Redskins. Um, 
you know, and I know a lot of teams didn't really show much in the preseason, but, uh, you know, I could see the Eagles kind of, you know, feeling their way along and keeping the Redskins in that game because even Case Keenum, the, who's going to start that game, um, he put, at least he got some snaps. I think he probably was in for about 70 snaps this preseason. So, you know, he was able to shake off some of that rust. You look at Carson Wentz. He hasn't played since December 9th of last year and hasn't taken a hit because they don't hit the quarterbacks in camp. And, um, you know, we're going to see how quickly he's able to kind of reacclimate himself to the speed of, the, of, a, of a live game again and um, how he's going to work with some of these new weapons that the Eagles brought in. I know doing it in camp – during practice and even when the Ravens were here for joint practices, kind of doing it in game-like situations, it's not the same, uh, you know, when an actual game begins. So I think the Redskins can hang with the Eagles. I think it's an eight and a half point line at this point. The Eagles are favored, but you know, I can see the Redskins hanging. They've always played the Eagles tough in the past, regardless uh, of what they've had. I know that last year the Eagles shut them out. I think 24 to nothing in the, in the season finale, which helped them get into the playoffs after the, uh, Vikings went belly up, you know, to the to the Bears in that final game. That helped the Eagles get in. But the Redskins usually play them tough. Case Keenum's coming here for the first time since that NFC Championship game when the Vikings just got, you know, they just got destroyed, 38 to seven. Game was basically over at halftime. And I know he's going to, uh, you know, try to have a little redemption if he can. But I just don't know if the Redskins have enough. I love their defensive line. I think it could be one of the best in football. Um, and the Eagles' offensive line is a veteran group. But, again, that offensive line has maybe played half a quarter together. So how cohesive will they be? Uh, you know, again, it's a veteran group that hasn't changed much. So you think that, yeah, maybe they'll be able to uh, play well right out of the shoot. But you don't know for sure how long it's going to take them to uh, adjust to, the, you know, to an actual game. So, yeah, I think the Eagles will win the game. But I, I think it's going to be, you know, closer than people think. I'm not even sure. I'm not really a betting man, but I'm not sure. Uh, if I had the opportunity, I would take uh, that eight-and-a-half-point line. I don't think I would take the Eagles to cover that. I think the Redskins will play them close. It'll be tight. Uh, but I think the Eagles will have enough to win, just because I think their roster is better. Mo, today's the big day, if you will. The, 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 this is the day where uh, uh, players around the bubble are afraid to come to the locker room. This is the day where, where maybe their their iPads get locked. Uh, there's a lot of scenarios that are going through guys that are on the bubble now, don't get me wrong, being on a practice squad still pays you $100,000 a year, and that's more than most Ivy League player, uh, uh, Ivy League students get in their first year out of college. Uh, the average is around 60000 So if you're stuck on a, a practice squad, uh, uh, you know, making $130,000 a year, not the end of the world, but it's it, it, they got to get down to the 53-man roster. Let's talk about the Browns and the NFL across the board. What are they going through today? And if you're on the bubble, how how big are you sweating it? Well, I mean, I think you're sweating it, but I think if you you realize that week one, you know, tends to bring a lot of injuries too. So, uh, you know, there's some guys that are going to be moving on to other teams probably in the next 48 hours. But, you know, some of these guys who were, you know, real close to making teams probably won't be on the street very long because we always see week one bring uh, a good number of significant injuries. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it sucks getting cut from a team, but I think, you know, it, for some guys, it always provides them sometimes with a better opportunity. So, uh, where I think you got a little bit of bubble guts today, I think, you know, come, uh, you know, the next uh, 48 hours to two weeks, you could be back playing football again. Well, we've come down to the end of the rope. Mo, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? 
Well, I've uh, yet to have any of those yet this week, so I don't say just check out my Twitter at More Radio Show. Okay, buddy. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks so much uh, for jumping on with us and, and helping us regurgitate luck. I promise you we're, we're done with it after today. Well, now I can finish taking my dinner set. Okay, buddy. We'll talk with you. I just got that too. I got a delayed reaction. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles obviously got to get down to the 53-man roster. Uh, Some tough, some tough decisions to make. Who do you think's on the bubble? Who makes it? Who doesn't? Who goes home? Well, I know they're trying to trade. They have. It looks like I think they're only going to keep four running backs. Maybe they keep five, but you know they've got three guys: Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood. Uh, and Boston Scott, who I think can play in this league. I think they're trying to trade Josh Adams, maybe try to get a seventh-round pick back. I don't know if it's going to happen. It's, uh, but, you know, they, I think those three guys are gone, and the Eagles will go with four running backs. Um, defensive end's kind of an issue, and then a tight end spot. You know, they've got you know two of the best in the league, and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, probably the best one-two tight end punch in the NFL. Um, and then are they going to keep three or four? They're using a lot of 12 player, 12 personnel, you know, the two tight end sets. So uh, they might go with four tight ends. Joshua Perkins would be one and maybe Alex Ellis would be a guy to keep, but um, there's really not anything really too pressing on this team. I, you know, I think their, their roster is kind of cast in stone. They have 12 more cuts to make. Um, they'll probably put Jalen Mills, their cornerback uh, on the Super Bowl team. Uh, on the uh, uh, he's on the pup list. They'll keep him there. Probably bring him back midway through the year. So really, they have 11 cuts to make, and uh, I don't think there's anything too pressing. I think uh, you know it is one of the better rosters in the league already. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. You know, uh, some of the guys that they cut will probably get picked up, and they may add a guy or two from another team too. So even though the cuts come down today at four o'clock, they have to be at 53. Uh, it doesn't mean anybody's safe uh, because teams typically still juggle with the roster into Sunday uh, once players clear waivers and practice squads begin to get built. Uh, but, you know, some of the, you know, the Eagles could pick up somebody and cut somebody that they keep on their 53. So even if you make the 53, you're not really safe. And, well, you're really not safe ever. But, uh, you know, you still have to kind of hold your breath through the weekend and hope you're still there Monday uh, to get ready for that season opener. Yeah, and like I said, I would take the practice squad money all day long. Uh, Ed Kratz, thank you also for indulging us in the Andrew Luck regurgitation. Uh, big story, big story nationally. And honestly, I, it's been compared to one of the biggest retirement stories uh, to Michael Jordan. But Michael Jordan actually won some championships before he, he retired. But certainly this has been one of the biggest stories uh, nationally. So I know we didn't have a lot of time uh, to get to everything. And it might be just as simple as, as, as he mentioned, there were some, maybe some issues with his wife. He's, he's newly married. He, he's expecting a child. It could be his wife said, Andrew, you've got $100 million in the bank. You just don't have to do this. And honestly, if you look at it like that, if I had $100 million, in, if I had a half of that in the bank, I would just go ahead and retire. So it might just be that simple, and he might be back. So, so we don't know. But Rick, I mean, but Ed, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, yeah, you mentioned my site, uh, footballmaven.io/eagles, uh, and then my Twitter is at kratze, K-R-A-C-Z-E. You can uh, follow me there, um, and those, those are the two places. And we're going to be waiting for your announcement coming up in the next week or so. 
<laughs> uh, sounds good. Sounds Try to good. get you to crack under pressure, man. I'll tell you what, you're you're a pro. You're a pro. <laughs> have yourself a good safe holiday weekend, sir. Have yourself a good safe holiday weekend. All righty. All right. Thanks. See you, Rick. Yep. See you, buddy. See you. Rick Reagan, running co-pilot with us today. I appreciate it. Uh, it wasn't trying to exclude you necessarily in the NFL talk, but we just had a lot to get through there. So uh, I, I appreciate your input with the Lions and uh, <laughs> helping us right. understand ball. that a little bit better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it, like it dawned on me, like right when he was hanging up, I'm going to go ahead and take my Jim Irsay now. And then like, <laughs> and then it, it's one of those things like it had a delayed reaction in my brain. So, Rick Riggin, we appreciate you jumping on board with us and as Hawkins of College Football. We look forward uh, to the 2019-2020 season of college football. Any final words of wisdom, sir? Uh, none at all. Just uh, hit me up on Twitter at Riggin underscore Rick. You can ask me anything college football. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at it. I know things about college football. And this is where I talk about those things. This and Twitter. This and Twitter. So, and we'll also try this to throw in some. Uh, we'll also try to throw in some binging stuff. Did you get a chance to to catch the Mayans yet? Got to get on it, man. Uh no, not at all. <laughs> I'm in football mode now. Football <laughs> mode. All right, brother. We'll talk with you soon. Have a good trip to Louisville and a good game against the Louisville Cardinals. Cardinals. <laughs> the Carters, yeah. Yes, sir, man. Talk to you later. All right, buddy. <laughs> Rick Reagan, our official college football contributor, uh, jumping in the co-pilot seat today with us. Thank you, Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend. Matthew Hicks, uh, Derek Schultz of the Query and Schultz Show, 1260 AM. Uh, Ed Kratz, Rick Reagan. Man, I tell you what, we had a full slate today. Remember, don't drink and drive it and cool. We'll be back next Saturday right here on the Balance Radio Network. We're out of here. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.